Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Marin, and I was a Dorito-loving zombie, but now I'm alive. <laughs> and I still love Doritos. Yeah. And Barry is here to tell us that despite what we may think, there is more to life than this. But... Before we chug our Mountain Dew, now that he's back from his long drive home from Andy's house, please welcome our favorite washed up old guy, Barry Rodriguez. Hey, here Yay. I am. Good day. Oh, thank you. I got the cheer. Good day, Good Barry. Good day, Marin. How Hi. are you? I'm okay. Yeah. You know, it's tech week. It, so. I was just going to say you were here late, <laughs> late yes. last night with, yes. with the cast and crew getting everything set up. Yeah. I heard you guys didn't even manage to get all the way through the show for tech their first tech rehearsal. Yes. But I also heard that that was never the intention. Ah, yes. I heard, um, that actually we, we did way better than anyone thought that we would. Hey, that's great. Yeah. There are a lot of moving pieces in this musical as I, as far as I can understand. Oh, for sure. And this is, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with theater tech week is really when everyone in production and one people with a tech role, it's when they get to rehearse. So you yeah. have to know, you know, when the blackouts are, when the lights come up, it's when right. all the set pieces finally get moved into place. And, yeah. um, there's spike tape that goes on the floor to tell the people who are moving these set pieces exactly where to place them, but they must be placed in accordance with how the lights are programmed. So it's just every <laughs> oh, yeah. bit every little, of little techie thing. detail has to come together. Yeah. Yeah. So I live, came home, yesterday and was talking to me about, sorry, everybody, we're doing Little Mermaid at Grace. Uh, we oh yeah, did music, you hear? We do musicals at Grace sometimes and this coming weekend it's opening night. I get it. When you say that, what? I just get flooded with nerves. What? Like I can't believe that opening night is yeah, days a away. Of days, days away. away. Well, what I was going to say is she came home and she's like, oh no, I don't know. <laughs> like this, things are kind of rough. And I said, for my experience, every single yeah. tech week, you start that way thinking, oh no, this is terrible. Like this is never coming together. And then by the end of the week, it's all magical and it's perfect. Yeah. So do you feel that way? And did you feel that way with, uh, with, uh, what was the last Mary Poppins. Uh, Mary Poppins? Did you feel like that? It's hard to remember how I felt yeah. at Mary Poppins. For some reason, there's a lot about this production that feels to me very, very different okay. from Mary Poppins. Um, there's, I feel like there's less huge ensemble numbers uh -huh. than there were yeah. and I'm in the ensemble. So that's kind of a good thing. Sure. I get to like chill and eat pizza and, <laughs> yeah. you know, let the principal performers take, take most of it. But no, I, I, and because of that, I got to sit in the audience and watch mm. most of act one. I'm really not even appearing on the stage until like the end of act one. Right. So I kind of got to see it, um, because I'm not going to get to see it, you mm -hmm. know, during the run of the show. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that was taking the most time last night, of course, is flying. <laughs> and yes. I, I don't think I'm giving anything away. No, it's but, come up already. They've talked about right. it. Yeah. So Ariel, um, she swims through yeah. the sea. And what that means is she will fly through the air and it will, it will look as though she's swimming through the ocean and yeah. it's super, super cool. Yeah. Um, if you've seen the movie, the little mermaid, the Disney version of the movie, um, you know, Prince Eric falls off the ship and he's about to drown, but yeah. Ariel saves his That's life. Right. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that up I'm, in the air, up in the air. Yeah. I don't want to give anything away. Sorry. Um, but every time they yelled hold yeah. and these two individuals are like suspended <laughs> in midair, yeah. just like they're supposed to just hold, just stay there. Just, just stay, yeah. stay still. That's funny. 
But also yeah. isn't Scuttle also flying? And so yeah. is that going to be confusing? Are they going to be thinking, is that a, is that a swimming seagull or are they actually flying? Or do you think it's going to make sense? I think it's going to make sense. And something different about this production that really was not something we used in Mary Poppins mm. is digital art and yes. CG and that. And if yeah, we if, got all our big screens up uh, behind, right. The screen was reconfigured a couple weeks ago. If you're mm. a Grace church attender and you know what our, you know, digital uh, led screens usually look like now they're all grouped together to make yeah. this gigantic rectangle. And the reason we had to do that was for the show. Right. So it is kind of cool. You can tell when you're underwater, you can tell like when you're above water. Yes, yeah. 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 Yes, it's cool. Nice. It's very, very cool. That's cool. Well, I'm, I, Every little bit that I've seen, I ask Liv to send me clips and videos and photos of what's been going on at rehearsal. And every little bit I've seen, I'm like really blown away. Oh, I yeah. think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be really awesome. And I was looking at tickets today, or I was just looking today to see like how many tickets are available and there are not many left. I mean, I mean, relatively speaking, yeah. there's not a lot of open seats left. So friends of the pod, time is ticking. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, Get on that fast because yeah. especially after the first few shows, yep. that second weekend will be completely sold out. That it always happens. happens. Every that time. is what happens. So yeah. get them while you can. Get them while they're hot. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, so, we're all so encouraged. Like the cast is yeah. stoked. Like you, you build something for this long. We've been yeah. working on it for months and yeah, months and months. It's like the fall. Pretty yeah. Much. And yeah. like the worst case scenario is like, no one comes. <laughs> <laughs> that will not be a problem. Yeah. And I, if I understand correctly, you do have like a sort of a run through rehearsal or like whatever it's called on Thursday night, but mm -hmm. just private. But then I think that's a preview show, like a preview show. Mm -hmm. And, but then on Friday morning or Friday late morning, you're doing a school, a school show for local elementary school students. Is yeah. that right? Is that this week, Barry? Or that's Friday. <laughs> okay. Is it? You know the schedule better than well, I maybe do. Maybe it's no. not. Is it? I get to this point. It, it is. It, it has been says confirmed. Yes. Friday is the school show. Okay. Here's what, here's the deal. I do what they tell me to do. Yeah. Okay. Right. So mm -hmm. like if they told me right now, show up at 6am tomorrow, cause we have a show that like, I All right, do that's that. That's what you do. I just kind of take things day by day. Anyway, I'm very excited. <laughs> My first like viewing of, of the majority of the show is going to be at that school age show. And I think that's cool. going to be awesome. Cause I can't wait to hear all the kids laughing and cheering and, and they are going to fall in love with Ariel. I bet. Oh my I goodness. Bet. We've got two young ladies playing the role of Ariel and it's just mind blowing yeah. the talent. Yeah. It's incredible. I was thinking about hitting the notes that she's hitting as a vocalist. There's no way it's suspended not in midair. <laughs> hoisted. I don't know how I would She'll, do that. I don't even know. She's amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. It's awesome. I can't wait. Well, anyway, that, I, that's all I wanted to know. I wanted to know if you were feeling stressed out about it or if you're excited about it. Or how I'm you're not, I'm not feeling stressed out. I mean, there's a couple of kind of bumps we've got to iron out a little bit in a couple yeah. of different scenes, but again, overall, um, it really is coming together and it's really awesome. Now that said, it's, going to be a couple of long days. Yeah. Yeah. To, to get us there. But that's my, that's my only update about how I've been doing is I'm literally like sitting at home by myself all the time now. And I, I don't think I realized <laughs> how, like how, what it was like having live home all the time. Cause she's always at rehearsal now and it's fine. Like I can just, I can 
I can make do. I can read a book, but it's like, <laughs> I'm just like, wow, I miss my wife. I miss her. Yeah. So. I feel like there's a lot of spouses, Jed included, my yeah. husband included yeah. that, that can attest to that. Cause it's a big time commitment. Yeah, it is. One it of is. the blessings for me is that I get to do these shows with my teenage daughter. Yeah. So that's like, you know, when we're at home, she's in her room, she's on her computer or she's at work. Yeah. But you know, being able to kind of make this time that we spend together mm -hmm. is awesome. So yeah. yes, I miss Jed, but I get to be with Desi all the time. That's so. cool. <laughs> oh, I do have one more life update. Very, very small, but it was notable to me <laughs> very much just to me, but I was out in my, you know, it's so muddy right now. My entire, our entire property is just the giant <laughs> mud pit right now, so, but you got to go out and feed the pigs and you got to do all the stuff. And so I was out there and I was going to fill up the, the pigs water and I'm wearing my big mud boots and all of a sudden I'm like, why is my foot wet? Mm -hmm. That can't be right. And turns out uh, my boots had a big crack in them, big hole in the side that had just come from where. And so I realized I had through constant use over two years actually worn a hole in my rubber boots, which to me was cool. This is a I, big life update. No, no. I said it's a very small life update. <laughs> You said you had another big life. No, no, no. Very, <laughs> very, very small is what I, to be clear, maybe if I did say big, I meant small. I might hurt you wrong. Very, very but small. you worked but hard enough. What I'm saying, like I've never worn through footwear like that, like something that's designed to be sturdy. I wore through it. So I got some shoe stuff that you can repair it with yes. and keep it going. But it was like, hey, entering into oh, right. like sort of year two and a half with my garden, with yeah. the farm. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing through my shoes because okay. I'm out here. That was good. That's all. Very, very that is small. An excellent to life be clear, update. small life update. So I did, I had a first again, this uh -huh. is, this is probably an even smaller life update. Yeah, Bring it on. First time in my life, I took a pair of shoes. Mm. I think that I had gotten at a thrift store for probably $3, Yeah, but I took them. I've had them for decades. Mm -hmm. I took them to a shoe repair shop. Hey, I'm going right. to pay money to have a pair of shoes repaired. And yeah. that for some reason makes me feel like I am, I don't know. Living in Victorian 72 England. 72 years old oh, yeah. <laughs> and so fiscally responsible. And look at me going to a cobbler. Yeah. To going to a cobbler. Well, you learned, you learned how to be frugal on. in the war and now you've, yeah. They told me how much it was going to cost and I, I almost didn't do it because again, I bought the shoes for three bucks and it's yeah. going to cost more than three bucks. Yeah. But look at me. What look a, at me go. Hey. I don't know. It just felt like one of the most adult things I've done in a long <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but anyway. I mean, hey, to know that an old, worn out, should have been tossed away, moldy pair of shoes yeah. could be made new again. Made new. Made new. What? Give it new life. That was a good transition. That's what I do. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> uh, Barry, you gave the message I this did. week. Would I you did. give us a rundown of your big idea and let us know what you talked about? Yes. If I can remember. No, I, I preached for the first time on John 316. I've never, I mean, I've probably referenced it, but I've never actually preached. That on, seems wild. Isn't it weird? Like, yeah. You've like, been preaching for many, many years. And it just hasn't been the primary passage of any of my sermons. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And it, the thing is my first few years of preaching, I wasn't crafting sermon series. I was just preaching whatever happened to be the topic that I was given. Right. And so it was just luck of the draw. And I'm sure we preached about John three sixteen. It just never happened to be my sermon. But then in the last several years when I've been kind of huh. crafting the sermon series, it's never been the thing. So I don't know why. Here it is. Here we are. 
there we are. It has to happen and it happened. So, um, that was fun. So basically we're just, you know, continuing our series, looking at the very provocative gospel of John. And I looked at the, the passage where Jesus talks to this Pharisee, Nicodemus, who's asking some big questions about, about, uh, he's kind of confused at some of Jesus's teaching and Jesus is explaining what it means to be born again, what it means to have new life in him. And, uh, yeah, basically it, I kind of went all over the place cause Jesus kind of goes all over the place in setting up this concept, but what it boils down to, uh, and we can talk at length about the specifics, but it boils down to this, uh, a new beginning, Oh, sorry. New, uh, true life requires a new beginning. All right. You have to be born again, a new beginning, a new beginning requires belief. You have to believe and look to him and belief requires surrender mm. and surrender is, is when you essentially give up control of your own life and surrender your life to him. That's when you can experience true life. And, uh, we talked specifically in that, that famous verse, John three sixteen. uh, you know, God gave his one and only son so that we would not perish, but have eternal life. And I made a, a I tried to make a clear distinction that perishing is not just about death. It's about a death of potential of what could have been of what we were made for. Uh, and we can talk about that, but then, then eternal life is the, is the alternative to that. And as I talked about, it's, it's really not just living for a super long time. It's, it's the life of the age to come as N.T. Wright puts it. And we were meant to not lose potential and die and like a moldy loaf of bread, but to live into the abundant, fruitful new creation kind of life that God has designed us for. And because of Jesus, we can look to him and we could be made new into that eternal life and not perish and not be, be lost. So that was basically it. And I, I, at the end, I just kind of made a challenge to those who either hadn't yet put their trust in Jesus or those who believe and, you know, go to church and call themselves Christians, but don't really, they're still the ones calling the shots in their lives. They haven't really surrendered yet. And I invited them to consider maybe now's the time. Maybe now it is, is the time to stop acting like you're the master of your own destiny and start putting your, your life in the hands of someone who loves you more than you could ever imagine. So there were a couple of running threads throughout this message. I noticed that you kind of built on to your big idea mm. as you were going yeah. by, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you kind of true life requires a new beginning. And then you added true, true life requires a new beginning and new life requires belief. And then you added on again yeah, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end. Um, so that was a thread. The other thread was poor Andy. Andy. Andy's house. I had to make clear in the, at the beginning of the message, Andy's still a friend of mine and I'm not. Yeah, but you ripped on his house, bro. I ripped on my choices <laughs> that often took place at his house. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't hear the message, I, I kind of used some of my own past experience as a bit of a parable or a large metaphor to describe perishing and, and the opposite. Hmm. And so I, I talked about it a time in my life when I spent countless hours over Mm. at my friend Andy's house. And we just would play video games and eat junk food. And, uh, I, at the time I thought that I was doing what I wanted. I thought that was, that was the best thing for me. Cause I was, I, you know, we're we're having a good time. It was a party, but now as I've experienced other kinds of life, like eating healthy, being outside, being active, having a purpose Mm. beyond just doing whatever feels good. I realize now this is the life that I want. And I didn't know what I was missing back then. I was, I was, I was a, lo- a moldy loaf of bread back then. I, I was wasting the potential of who I was made to be in a sense. And now I don't want to go back. And so I use that as a bit of a metaphor for 
any way that we live in these spirals of self, the, the haze of self, as I called it, that where we just are, are going by whatever we feel, whatever feels good to us at the moment. So many of us live that way, or we pursue wealth or we pursue, uh, you know, comfort or stuff. We're always just, we're just in this grind of, of doing the things that feel good to us. And we think this is what we want, but we're, we're missing out on what truly could be ours, a different kind of life that, that is transformative. And I guess that's one of my questions. Did you, did you know you were in a haze when you were in the haze? Like, Mm. how can we, you said when we spend our lives, when we said, when we spend our lives obsessed with ourselves, Mm. we're perishing. Yeah. And so you would have been in, in, for lack of better words, obsessed with yourself during that time, yeah, eating sure. all of the Doritos, which Doritos are great. They're so good. I'm They're not going to so not good. eat Doritos I, even I, in this new life. I eat spicy nacho Doritos, but here's one slight change. I don't eat an entire bag of them well, in one on, sitting. Come on, preach. I do if sitting. it's a small bag. Well, a small bag. Well, I'm t- I might eat <laughs> I'm two, I might eat two well, small bags. And, and who wouldn't? But I'm saying <laughs> a large, full-size bag of Doritos, that's not something I eat anymore by myself in one sitting. Maybe three sittings, maybe two if I'm, if I'm partying, but. But when you were. Yeah, when I was. Were you in any way aware that, that you were in a haze? How yeah. can we. Well, there, like I, I mentioned this, I believe that, and this is, seems to be kind of normal for everybody. There are these moments of clarity mm. when you realize there's gotta be more to life than this. I feel like that's a normal experience, whether your haze is. I don't know, consumerism or, or alcoholism or, or something, whatever you're stuck in or self mm-hmm. or pride, workaholism, workaholism. At some point you get these little glimpses of, is this it? Is this all that life really is? I think that's a pretty common thing. And for me, that can be an indicator that no, this isn't what we were meant for. There is more to it. Sometimes though, I think Frankly, we need to be shaken out of it. I think sometimes other people need to speak into our lives and remind us of what's possible. Uh, I don't know that we're always able to be self-aware enough because yeah, you get caught in the haze, you become a zombie and it's hard to break yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it does, I think requires God to speak or move in your life in a way that kind of knocks you upside the head. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you've probably seen that or heard that of, of, of other people experiencing that as well. For me, it was a, I mean, I needed to be plunged into an experience like, like going to Kenya and living in Nairobi for a year. That's, that's what threw me into the the deep end of the pool and forced me to swim. Mm. That was where I realized, oh, I, I saw myself in my life for what it was. And that's when it began to change. So I, I, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question entirely. I don't know. No, I feel like some of us have already experienced that moment. Yeah. Some of us need to experience a moment like that and haven't yet. Yeah. And some of us maybe after hearing this message might be questioning, okay, am I, mm. am I self-obsessed? Am I, how can I tell if I'm self-obsessed? You know, we go about our days, day after day after day, pretty much doing the same thing. We kind of mm-hmm. get stuck in a rut. And sometimes like I think about those, those like, they're all silly, but those tests you can take online, like how yeah. to know if you're a you Pisces. Know, right. No, that one's easy. Never mind. <laughs> Fill in the blank. But like it made me, yeah, yeah, yeah. it made me wish for some kind of self-evaluation of like, yeah. am I in a haze? Ooh, interesting. Am I stuck in some sort of self-obsessed We could probably mode, put something even like though that I don't together. think I am. Right. I feel like if you asked most people, they would not say, oh yeah, right. no, I'm, I'm totally not. obsessed with myself. Right. Yeah. But how do we identify some of those blind mm. spots, I guess? Well, I think one of the things that I would 
suggest to somebody if they're wondering, am I, am I uh, at Andy's house or not? Am I at Andy's house? Sorry, Andy. I love Andy. I stuck there. Uh, is to ask the Holy Spirit. I mean, A, you could ask God, would you reveal that to me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, point blank, that's it. But you could also ask God, is this, is this the best life for me? Like, am I living in such a way that is what you think is is ideal for me. Cause I, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think there's a difference between what I think is going to be best for me and what I imagine God imagining for me. And if he's our father and he loves us and he cherishes us, he's got dreams for us that are likely bigger. Like when I was in that time and I would go to Andy's house and play video games all day. And sometimes I would come home, set my Xbox back up and keep playing video games the next day at my house. My parents wished that something would change because they saw that, that I was made for more. And I, when I didn't see it, I think perhaps God or our parents or others can help us by, by even not even pointing in negative terms, like here's all the bad stuff you're doing, but like, what could you be doing? What might life be Mm. like for you? What could you experience if you, if you were to open up to a different way? You raise a good point because I'm sure your parents were praying for you. Yeah. When you were trapped yeah. in Andy's house. Yeah. <laughs> was it years? Was it months? I don't even know. It was, it was years. Of, yeah. It was a few years of, of pretty consistent. That was a pretty normal thing that we would yeah. do. Yeah. And had they come down on you and been like, look, dude, yeah. you're in a vicious cycle. You're yeah. going nowhere. You're addicted to video games. You yeah. probably wouldn't have heard it. Or, no. or received and, it. And I hear stories of many parents who yeah. are like, what do I do? My child is addicted to video games and I can't help them. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. But they did see it. I would have had to have a little bit of self-awareness mm-hmm. to say, all right, mom and dad, what do you, what are you seeing? <laughs> I think I'm interested in this part. Cause we'll get to the other parts in a second, but you know, I've got two kids that are about to be adults Yeah. and, and I can see we're probably going to encounter something similar sure. where my kids, whatever Andy's house looks like or, yeah. or means for them yeah. as a parent, I'm going to, Oh, but you have so much potential. Right. Oh, but you could right. fill in the blank, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that it would be wise of me to right. tell them, by the way, you're stuck in a cycle of self-obsession, right. but I'm thinking of the way that your parents prayed for you and how the Absolutely. Holy spirit moved in your life. And I think there's, it's at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter what anyone else says about us. We have to come to the point of recognizing that this is not the best for me. Like this is not the best possible life mm-hmm. that there is more. And I'm willing to surrender to that. So that takes work and that takes the Holy spirit. And it, and it's also, frankly, it is just a part of growing up and maturity. So I'm, there is a point, like, I think everybody has to have a, probably a moment of experiencing Andy's house before they realize what, what, that, that Andy's house is not enough. You know, it's, it feels like that's an inevitable. I don't think anyone is so wise that they go straight into like yeah. the perfect life, but it doesn't mean we need to be stuck there for a decade or two. So when you, you went from Andy's house to the story of Nicodemus, when you read the story of Nicodemus, did that immediately connect? Like, Oh, he was, he was stuck in the proverbial Andy's house. No, I had a weird moment where I, I just, well, I'm trying to think how did the timing go? No. Yeah. So I was Wednesday, last Wednesday, I had the basic outline of my message of just what I was going to like the, the exegesis and the actual like sermon part of the message. And I was like, I need some kind of an, like some sort of metaphor or analogy, something that would help to mm-hmm. kind of tie this all together. And for out of nowhere, just staring out the window, I was like, 
Oh, remember when I used to play video games over at Andy's house <laughs> and, it, and it just started, I just started reminiscing and I was like, Oh, actually totally. Cause I didn't see what I was missing. It was like this whole thing. It just all, it all clicked into place. And I was like, yeah, I was perishing, wow. but it all clicked. And I was like, wow, that's what I'm doing. And I sat down and started writing my sermon and it just like, I finished the whole thing and just like one wow. go, the whole sermon just kind of flowed right from there. So wow. that was cool. Wow. And it's, you defined the word perishing in John three sixteen yeah. as a uh, apalume. Am I saying yeah. that right? Uh, apalumi, apalumi, apalumi or something. I mean, it's a dead language. Nobody knows exactly. And how. you said that it could mean <laughs> things like destruction, death, loss, the downfall of a nation yeah. or um, perishing. But you said to you, it means the death of potential. potential. Yeah. When I think about you eating Doritos on Andy's couch, you were young, so you were not physically sure. perishing. Right. You weren't like, you know, doing anything horrendously self-destructive. Right. But you certainly were not living into your potential. And right. had you stayed there, yes. who knows if you ever would have achieved or reached the potential for which you were made. You were made Absolutely. for more. Right. So that was mind blowing to me. Wow. The, uh, the Apollo me, the word. Yeah. You know, yeah. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't we always think death? Death. Don't yeah. we always think death and hell? Right. And eternal life, meaning, mm -hmm. okay, heaven. Life in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. But there are other words he could have used that meant physical actual death. physical death. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I did not yeah. know that. That, well, and I don't amazing. think I did either. I, I was more, as I was studying this, I started looking into it, digging into it. And I, I went and looked at all the other places that word yeah. is used in the new Testament. And I was like, Whoa, it's used in a lot of different ways. Like it's the lost sheep of Israel are the Apalumi sheep of Israel. And the, the prodigal son was Apalumi, but has been found mm -hmm. like, it's this, it's so profound. And even, yeah, the, the, you don't put new wine into old wide skins because then it will be Apalumi. It will break and it will be ruined. It be perished. And so it's, wow. it's really, it was compelling to me. And I, I'm not a, like a Greek scholar. So I, someone might correct me and say, well, maybe it's not, my nuances weren't perfect, but the, to me, it was so interesting to think of a word that means more than just simply death. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I was looking at some different translations and how they different, how different translations and perish is the word most use because they it doesn't, it doesn't just mean death. And so if it did, they would, there would be translations that say, you know, gave his only son so that, uh, whoever believes in him would not die, but mm -hmm. have eternal life. But most don't say that they say perish, which mm -hmm. is interesting, even though we don't, other than as, as my speaker assistant, uh, Josh pointed out, yeah. we, we use the word perishable for food, but we don't use the word perish much. Yeah. Do we like other than like food perishing? No. Okay. No, to me, yeah. perish is a very Bible word. Yeah, you know? right, so right. Esther, if I perish, I perish. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. It was really compelling to me and interesting. Well, and I, I, it just, like you said, couple of cups of tea, right? Yeah. You could really just kind of mull over this stuff and think about it and think about it. When I think about food that has perished, I'm always disappointed. Yes. Like, man, I didn't use Avocados. up that bread in time. Avocados. Avocado, man. Perish. We went through a season <laughs> where we could not keep banana. We couldn't go through bananas fast enough. And we lived with fruit flies. It yeah. was a miserable yeah. situation. We went on like that for years until we finally stopped eating bananas. Um, <laughs> but no, it's always like a, a it, what it could have been. Yes. I could have used this for something. Sure. I could have made a meal out but of now this. now it's not. It's this could have been good. Except the chickens. Right. Right. And so at one point when you said 
um, something to the effect of if you're that moldy piece of bread, you can be brought back to life again. That yeah. just drove home the whole salvation message in a totally new mm. way. Mm. If you feel like you can't be made good again, right? Something went bad and now you're it's, stuck. It's, the deed is done. It's over. Yeah. 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 But to think about a God who has the power to bring back something that went spoiled. Yeah. No one can do that. You yeah. cannot take a spoiled avocado right. and bring and it make back. make it unbrown again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was just such, a, maybe it's because I'm a foodie. I don't know. But that was <laughs> such a cool way well, that's interesting. to think about new life. I, I almost like made the loaf of bread thing a much bigger metaphor for the whole message. But I, I felt like now there's more to it than, than just that. I don't want to limit it. I don't want to limit our thinking to that, but I also was really compelled by that particular image as I thought about it. Um, it's actually elsewhere in John, I believe is the, the moldy loaf of bread, the perished bread or something like Mm. that. So I can't remember exactly where I could look it up, but yeah. 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 So anyway, it's, yeah, that was really, I'm glad that you resonated with that. I don't know if I, Bored people to tears or not with the stuff I shared from slightly earlier in the passage. Moses I, and the snake. Moses and the, and the snake and the-, and the son of man and lift it up and like, but to me, it all fits together yeah. into that same, it's that biblical theology. It's it, Jesus is, is speaking the language of scripture. Well, and he's talking to Nicodemus. Sure. We have to talk a little bit about Nicodemus. Totally. And again, I feel and I, like that was another part I had to cut out from my message is sort of the man himself and what his journey is. Well, right. And, and putting the most famous scripture in all of the Bible into context. When he said it, he was talking to Nicodemus. Right. Who was Nicodemus? Right. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. We know that. Um, Interestingly though, I've seen some arguments that, that in John, we never really know how Nicodemus comes down on this whole Jesus thing. Now, it, there's indications that mm-hmm. later on he kind of defends Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, the council, but it's not like a super strong, it's a little bit of a mild defense. Like, Oh, let's not, we don't have to do anything bad to somebody. I don't even remember <laughs> specific, but it's not like he's like, how dare you? No, we I, must protect this. I man. read your fun facts. Oh Was yeah. 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 He the secret disciple or well, no, he's so another guy who is called, I think Alexander, maybe he's, he's referred to as a secret disciple. He and Nicodemus, go to the tomb and Nicodemus brings some like Mm. burial spices or whatever. And so Mm. he's associated with a secret disciple. He comes to Jesus in the night. I'm inclined to think that he, he does at the end become a follower of Christ. Like I'm, I'm, that's how I tend to look at it. Yeah. But if you compare his uh, repartee or what's the word, whatever with Jesus compared to the Samaritan woman, as we'll look at this coming weekend, she within one storyline has has brought her entire village to come out and meet Jesus because this man has told me everything I've ever done. Yeah. Come and come and meet. She becomes like the first evangelist in John's gospel. Whereas Nicodemus, we don't even, he's just gone in that storyline. We don't even mm-hmm. know how he responds to John three sixteen, right? Yeah. He's just kind of disappears. And we see a little couple glimpses of him, which maybe hint at redemption, but we don't, we don't know. It's just, it's interesting that John would, would not give us that, that clear, answer to where he falls down on all this stuff. Going back to, uh, to the scripture, um, that you used talking about him. Um, John three, we were in, he says, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he Mm -hmm. appears to have some kind of faith in this 
rabbi that yes. at least, if nothing else, if, even if he's not the son of God, that mm-hmm. God is actually with him and has anointed him and appointed him to teach. Uh-huh. Or yes, yes. Or the, the way that he's saying that, I don't know if the NLT is taking extra liberties there, but I believe the way that he is saying it could be, uh, kind of a sort of a neutral, like, well, surely mm. since you're a person who was with God, what do you think? Like, like the Samaritan woman, uh, she, she says, okay, well, since you're a prophet and then she goes into this big debate with Jesus about where to worship. So it's like, it's all, it's less of like, I believe in you and more for her and more like, okay, well, if you claim to be a prophet, then tell me this. And so I don't know. I wonder, but I, I, again, I tend to come down on the side of, I think Nicodemus is at the very least beginning to have his eyes opened. So he's highly educated. Yeah. He's intelligent. He's He's passionate. He's a spiritual leader. Yes. Was he a moldy piece of bread? Mm. Was, was this the moment that, you know, again, trying to go, why would Jesus go mm -hmm. to John three 16? Why would he talk about perishing in the context of talking to Nicodemus? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. And I think it's the reason, I mean, all the stuff about the, son of man and the snakes on the pole and all that snake on the pole. He starts all that by saying, you're supposedly a teacher of the law. Like you teach the Torah and yet you don't even understand. You don't understand what's going on here. And then he speaks about all that stuff. And then he talks about perishing and and eternal life. And so I, I think he's, yeah, he is meeting Nicodemus on his level by saying like, you've missed the story. You're teaching the law, but you've missed the story of what God's redemption is all about. And so I think, I think he's, he's trying, he's inviting Nicodemus Mm. to, to reimagine the story of God's salvation, salvific work in the world, uh, in terms that Nicodemus would understand. But it's interesting that, that John makes it clear that Nicodemus is just, I mean, he's like, hold on, we have to be born Mm. again. What, what do you, how's that supposed to be possible? And he's like, how are even these, how are these things even supposed to be possible in verse nine? Right. And so he, he's kind of given, he's, John is putting him as here's the very educated Jewish teacher who is st- sitting in awe of these teachings of Jesus because even he missed it. And Jesus is trying to bring him to the, the, the truth. Hmm. And it's interesting again, John three sixteen. this happens. We, we all know how the story ends when we hear for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that yeah. everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We know, oh, he gave his one and only son yeah. to die on the cross. Right. But Nicodemus would never have made that connection. Right. And even in this point, when Jesus says the son of man must be lifted up. Right. A couple of verses before. Yes. It, later on in, in John, it says uh, the son of man must be lifted up. And then mm. in, in almost parentheses, John says he said this to indicate the way he was going to die. So like even to the disciples, they didn't understand what he was getting at. He kept saying the son of man must be lifted up. And yet they didn't understand that when he's using this phrase lifted up from Isaiah, the suffering servant, he's talking about himself and he's talking about crucifixion Hmm. anyway. Yeah. So was Jesus offering Nicodemus eternal life in this moment? It's a good question. I think. Yeah. Yes. In the sense of it's an invitation to trust. Everything he's saying here is an invitation to trust. Will you look up at this, at the son of man who's been lifted up for you? Will you, will you put your trust in him? That's what belief means. You know, pistuo in Greek, it doesn't just mean a head knowledge. It means a, a 
willingness to, to trust, to put your life in the hands of something or someone that's belief. And he's, he's saying you believe those things Mm. and eternal life is yours. The renewal, Mm. the rebirth can be yours. Yeah. I think about what you just said about the, the Samaritan woman who, who goes and I guess puts her reputation on the line by telling everyone you need to come and meet this person. She trusts enough to, to vouch for him and and want to go tell everyone. Even last week's message, we talked about uh, Nathaniel and um, Andrew who immediately upon meeting Jesus want to go tell people because they believe it to that degree that they want people to come and see what they have found. Yeah. But we don't see that from Nicodemus. We right. don't see him giving that kind of trust right. to this person of Jesus that he would want to go and tell maybe his scholarly buddies, right. his churchly buddies. <laughs> well, and, and we see him later on in the story and he's still in with the religious leaders. He's right. still in the council of religious leaders, which means, and these are the same religious leaders that, that decided to execute Jesus, which means he didn't necessarily so closely align himself publicly with this savior mm. that others would recognize. If he was able to still be a voting member of the council that ended up killing Jesus, he was still probably under the radar if, if he was following Christ at that point. Mm. But yeah, I like to think that he did turn, turn that corner. Yeah. So your, your big idea, again, you were adding to it throughout this entire message. True life requires a new beginning. That new beginning requires belief. Yeah. And belief requires surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrender. Practically speaking. Yeah. What does that look like for us? Because you said it, it again, it goes beyond a head knowledge yes. of belief. And I think maybe some of us who've been raised in church or been around church feel like it's, well, when I was at summer camp and I was seven years right. old Threw and a I stick into the fire or whatever, say, yeah. said the sinner's prayer. And, yes. and I've always believed that God exists. Yeah. Is that, is that our act of surrender? Is there something more? I think that's an initial act of surrender. I think, I think there are many of us for whom a definitive moment needs to happen where we can put our stake in the ground. It's one of the reasons why we have baptism. Cause you can, you can publicly declare and mm-hmm. say, this is it. I am surrendered. It's, we have surrendered written on the shirts yeah. that people wear when they get baptized. Right. Um, I think there are different elements of surrender. I think on one hand, there's a, I would even just say a, a, a surrender of self of, of acknowledging that I'm no longer going to be the master of my own life. Like I am going to submit myself to what he would have me do. I think that's an aspect of surrender. I think there's a surrender of identity of saying like the things that I have chosen to define myself, I will set those aside and consider them worthless compared to knowing Mm. Christ. And I will allow him to tell me what's worth living for. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a surrender of, decisions even. And, and this one gets a little tricky because it, but I think when we are making big decisions in our life, uh, where to go to school, where to live, what to buy, what to do, who to marry, there is an aspect of surrendering our will to the will of, of Christ and actually saying, what God, what do you want me to do? Mm. And 
even just the act of taking time to wonder. And how do you find the answer to that? Well, you find it through scripture, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, through community, but, yeah. but saying, I'm going to go looking for God's heart for me instead of simply going by mine. Right. Uh, so I'm sure you could think of others, but that's kind of, I think of it as a multifaceted posture yeah. in, in the way that we live when you're speaking practically, that that's kind of yeah. what comes to mind. What do you, what about you? I think of it as ongoing mm. um, because I, <laughs> as I heard your message, I thought, man, you know, you and I've known each other for what, five years. Yeah. You did not know me when I was a moldy piece of bread. <laughs> But yeah. I can remember back to when I was a moldy piece yeah. of bread. And again, I talked a little bit about it last week, what it really means to encounter his grace and to know that there's still hope for you. Mm. No matter what has happened, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter the circumstances, new life is available and new life means restoration. And again, yeah. I think that's why that word, uh, Apollo me, mm-hmm just stuck out so much to me mm-hmm. um, because I've been restored Yes, and I didn't stay stuck as a moldy piece of bread mm. and I'm doing things I never in a million years thought that I would be doing <laughs> Yes, as I surrendered my life and entrusted it into his care. That said, I feel like every day is an ongoing decision yes. to trust and to surrender because yeah. it would be all too easy to start choosing the things that make me comfortable again yeah. or to start choosing self again, because the things that I'm doing while I never thought I would be doing them and it's crazy and it's amazing. And look at where God has brought my life yeah. can be exhausting, can be at times discouraging. Yeah. And it's all too easy to want to just go back to mm. when I was comfortable, mm. when the stakes weren't so high or, you know, I, yeah when life was easier, you know, you call it whatever you want, but I have been saved. I have been restored. I am no longer a moldy piece of bread. Mm -hmm. He has taken control of my life. I think the question for someone like me is, will I continue to allow him to have control of my life and continue to remain surrendered? And that's the hardest part about living on this side of eternity, as we often say. Mm. Uh, but the new creation has not fully come yet. And as a result, we are living in a broken world where, where we will have to die to ourselves daily. When we are resurrected in the new creation, we don't have to die to ourselves anymore right? Cause right. it's been done and we're dead and we are re- re- risen again. And we get to experience full life without any of that shadow of brokenness. We don't have to, to wait on tiptoes waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. I'm just quoting a bunch of scriptures here, but you, you get the point. It's mm-hmm. like, it, th- that is part of our, the burden that we have to bear living in this still broken world is that we do have to, that surrender is a lifestyle. You have to keep living it and keep doing it. And there are days when you choose not to, and then you've got to realize, well, I guess I better get back up on that, on that Mm -hmm. horse and keep going. Um, but one of the things that I I share this a lot, I know I've shared it on the podcast, but it's worth, it bears repeating because I I had a couple of people come up to me after service. I invited people who wanted to talk about it more. I had a couple come up to me and and they basically were saying, look, I'm just, I'm just dealing with so much shame. I don't Mm -hmm. know like the things I've done or the, the mistakes I've made. I just don't know how I can overcome those. Uh, I, I want to believe, I, I believe in Jesus. I just don't know. And what I, what I shared with them and what I share with people in those circumstances is that there's a really big difference in my mind between avoiding who you used to be 
and becoming who you already are in Christ's eyes, in God's eyes. Um, avoiding who you used to be, you know, avoiding the sin, trying not to mess up again, trying not to go back to that addiction, trying not to believe the shame or whatever. Like that is the way I used, I used to think of my faith was a constant struggle to not be that guy. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, I began to realize that there was so much more fruit in, in reminding myself of who Christ says I am Mm -hmm. and, and doing what I can to become that person. And so when it comes to a matter of, let's say some, some sin or some addiction, it, the question is not like, Oh man, am I really that old person? I guess I'm going to go make that mistake again. The question is, no, I know I'm not that person. So why would I go back to it? Because I know who, I know who I've been made to be. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a subtle thing, but I think it's a big, it's, it's like, I see, I know I am now a new loaf of bread. I know I am no longer that moldy loaf of bread. So why am I living like a moldy loaf of bread? I can choose to be who Christ has, has made me into. I think it's the difference between turning your face to what's behind you Mm. because you're trying so desperately and carefully to not go back to that stuff or be that person and then turning your face to the light that gives life and letting him say who you are. It's, it's where you focus your attention Mm. because you're right. I feel like let's take an alcoholic, for example, or a workaholic, for example, any, any aholic, any of the holics, (laughs) take them for an example. It, It is too easy to, Every day say, okay, it's about the alcohol. I've got a problem with alcohol, so right. I'm not going right. to X, Y, Z. Right. But there's perhaps an even more life-giving way yeah. that would really set you free to, to realize what it is about. If it's not about the vice, then what is it about? Right. Right. And I think there's a, it's a worthwhile distinction because when you said that, that made me think like the 12 steps program part of that whole Alcoholics Anonymous is saying I'm an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is the acknowledgement of your brokenness. And so it would be easy to think, wait, are we going against that as mm-hmm. a, but I don't think we are. I think what we're, all of what we're saying is we acknowledge our brokenness. It's about though, understanding that that's not, that's, that doesn't define our life. Right. It, it's, it's part of the brokenness that, that shapes us but it's not ultimately who we are. There's some, there's a higher power as AA would say that we are submitting ourselves to, we are, we are uh, surrendering ourselves to him. And as, as John, as Paul, as all the, the gospel writers, everybody keeps pointing out that God that we are submitting ourselves to is wild about us. He's crazy about us. He loves us and he sees Hmm. the best in us. He sees the best in us. I feel like in my personal example, my story, I could sit on my couch and say, okay, I'm not that person anymore. Okay. I'm not a moldy piece of bread anymore. Right. I'm not that anymore. And, or an alcoholic, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. And I wasn't an alcoholic, but an alcoholic can say that I'm not an alcoholic anymore. But then I feel like God is calling. Okay. But did you know you could do this? Right. Right. And I think, and so here's, this is, I think probably what it, what it boils down to practically speaking the most is looking at our lives and beginning to live as if, what he says is true. Mm-hmm. Like as if what he says about us is actually the way it's going to be. Even if we struggle to believe it day to day in ourselves, if we live as if we are the person he says we are, that's when you begin to actually experience some of the fruit that comes from surrender. It's, it's, I'm going to go ahead and be- act as if I'm no longer a moldy loaf of bread. And what's interesting is because God is so amazing is he uses even our past brokenness. Mm-hmm. He redeems it and then uses that as a part of, of who we are. And so maybe to use this, this 
example of alcoholism, it's not just saying I'm not an alcoholic, but it's saying, no, I'm a redeemed alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I've been saved from alcoholism and God wants to use that in my story to help transform this world. How beautiful that he would take even our brokenness and redeem it. And he, he, he wipes our, our slate clean. The, The sin is gone. The shame is gone. But even the mistakes that we've made, he can work through to shape us into somebody that can change this world in ways that we may never have, have have been able to change had we not had that brokenness in our past. Absolutely. So it's, it's profound. It's beautiful. And this is what we're talking about is the life of faith. This is following Jesus. Yeah. You said it's a life that is beyond ourselves. Yeah. The kind of life that brings life to others. Mm. Yeah. That'll, that'll follow through pretty strongly to this coming weekend when we talk about the, the living spring within us, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into that some more, but yeah, that's what it is. It's a life that breeds life and, yeah. and, uh, a life that is purposeful. Yeah. And, and I think it's an important corrective to some of, I think where sometimes evangelicalism has taken faith in Jesus is we've made it all about personal salvation, a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And while it is those things, that's not the end result. The end result is a transformed world that we are participating in the kingdom of God, that we are living beyond ourselves. So it is a, in my opinion, it is a limited, a limiting of the gospel to suggest that it is just about me and my own personal feelings and journey with Jesus. It is about the transformation of the world through me as, as he works through me. So it's, to me, it's bigger than just us. Hmm. It always is. Yeah. One of my questions for you was going to be, why are you so passionate about selflessness? Because I feel Uh, like you are the pastor who preaches self-giving love like every weekend, like you are so passionate about selflessness. But I think what I'm realizing is it's not just because that's how we're going to be a better witness to the world around us, which is absolutely true. They need to see us loving our neighbors. They'll know we're Christians by our love. We must be selfless. But I think from this message, especially toward the end, when you're talking about new life and hope and a life that's beyond ourselves and restoration, selflessness is as much about our community as it actually is about ourselves because we can be born into this new life and given purpose when we surrender ourselves. Selflessness is not just for what the world will see. Right. It's also for us ourselves. Right to experience new life. Yeah. You nailed it. That's, that's why I talk about it. I also talk about it cause I'm a selfish person. And the more that I've grown to know Christ, the more I've realized how selfish my tendencies can be. The more I traveled the world, the more I realized, Oh man, I'm pretty, uh, self-focused and self-centered. Mm. I'll never forget. I wasn't expecting to talk about this. I, I had a moment in Kenya and, and I may have shared this a long time ago on the pod, but we had, um, I was living in a host family with Kenyans. And we would have people drop by some evening. And the way that Kenyan culture worked is if they drop by, they're staying for dinner, they're staying for chai after dinner, they're staying for cake, we're talking, and then we're going to stand and talk for a bit in the hallway, and then we're going to stand and talk for a bit in the kitchen, and then we're going to stand and talk for a bit out by their car. And by the time they left, it's time to go to bed. And that was my whole night. And so I'd come home from a long day of work at, at Nairobi Chapel. And then all of a sudden I had to just host people huh. as the, cause I was part of the family. That's how that's how it worked. And being somewhat introverted, it was a very brutal time <laughs> for me. It was really hard. I, I really couldn't stand it. Um, but being a selfish person, I did, or I'll just call myself a selfish American. I did what, what I would normally do in a situation where I'm surrounded by strangers. I would just 
try to tell stories that would be funny or winsome or get people laughing and just be, be entertaining in the life of the party. That was kind of what I was used to doing. And then one day, uh, my, my, uh, host dad, Mo and I would sit out on his front porch and drink chai once a week. And one day he said, Barry, can I tell you something that might be a little bit hard to hear? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And he said, whenever we have guests over, uh, it is really important to us that we honor our guests and that we make it all about them and we put the spotlight on them. But whenever we have guests over, you tell stories that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. You talk about yourself a lot and mm. you, you really don't focus on them at all. You focus mostly on yourself. And I was like, whoa, ouch. Wow. But also, okay, I hear what you're saying. And then I began listening and looking at my own life and I realized that like, Everywhere I went, I talked about myself mm. again and again, I talked about myself. I'd, people would, would be talking about something else. And I'd be like, who wants to know an interesting anecdote about baseball? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was come out. I was like, and I realized, oh my word, I had no concept of just how self-focused I was in my conversations. And then I, I spent the year being like having that like wrung out of me as I, as I was constantly trying to root that out of my system, wow. come back to the U S and guess what everybody does. They only talk about themselves. And it's just like, let me tell you my anecdote. And then you're like, all right, I'll tell you my anecdote. And then that other person's like, I'll tell you a random fact about baseball. And I was like, oh, I get where I get it from. <laughs> all that to say that along with many other experiences like it have helped to help me to see just how, how self-focused I am and how self-focused our culture is mm. and how it's just normal and we're blind to it. So that's why I talk about selflessness mm -hmm. so much because a, I think it's part and parcel with what it means to live the kingdom. But B, I think we need some, some remedial work in that as Americans, because we're blind to just how self-focused our culture has made us. Yeah. So I feel like we need to, we need to have this in front of us a little more often than maybe somebody might in another culture or context. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway, that was a long rabbit trail, but that's to answer your question. That's where it comes from for me. Yeah. Thank you. No, I don't feel like that was a, a, a rabbit trail at all. Again, I feel like as I listened to this message, I think I heard it twice. Um, the concept of selflessness was about being brought back to new life. Selfishness is moldy bread Yes, and selflessness is new life in Christ. Right. And yeah. to bring it all the way back to Andy's house, the thing that we all have to pay attention to is the fact that that's that moldy loaf, loaf of bread when we are living in that way, when we're living for ourselves, it feels good and right because it's what we think we want. We think it's what's best for us yeah. because it, it's like, well, why wouldn't it be best for me to do exactly what I feel like or what exact, but it's not best for us. Yeah. And that's the thing that requires trust because Andy's house sure is a lot of fun. And by the way, I've, I've now had quite <laughs> a few people who were also part of that group come up to me who are still around and say like, oh man, that brought back so many memories of Andy's house. And we did have a good time. It was fun, but it wasn't the best. It wasn't my best life. Hmm. Yeah. So that's just a little, I'll drop that little seed in there just yeah. to say, we need to pay attention because it's not always going to be immediately evident that the way we are living is not truly what's best for us. Yeah. yeah. We say it all the time. You were made for more. Yeah. 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 So where are we going from here? Well, as I said, we are going to go to John four and we're going to look at the, the Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And I'm not, I'm still working through it. I don't know exactly what angle we'll end up taking. It'll mm. be interesting. I mean, we've talked, we, we've preached from that one before. I've preached that one before. Um, and well, I'm just curious to see what the spirit yeah, has yeah. for us. So, yeah, it's, it, I love 
I'm going to say crawling through scriptures like this. Yeah. Cause that's what it feels like we're doing. We were in chapter one, we were already reading about, um, being reborn, not yeah. with a physical birth, but a birth that comes from God. And yeah. now here we are in, in chapter three and Nicodemus is saying, how can I crawl up back into my mother's womb and be reborn? Right, like, right. I love that we're going through this as a church and we're now able to kind of make these connections. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage you, even if you can't be here in person to just listen week to week to week, don't miss a chapter. Don't, don't miss, miss a it. moment. I agree. Because we've also seen these moments of belief and some have run and told their friends and were really excited and believed yeah. immediately. And some like Nicodemus were not sure ever actually fully came to a belief, but mm-hmm. you do see how the different people reacted mm-hmm. when these moments were initially presented to them. And the Samaritan woman will be another moment. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, great. Marin, will you please send us out? I sure will Barry. How about this? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday. 